Fun to be with y'all today. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Let me pray and we'll, uh, we'll look at a little passage out of the Bible. It's great to be here, Lord, so thank you for letting me have this opportunity. It's clear you're at work and at Radius White No, and it just makes me really happy. So thank you for your work um, in us and in continuing to change us from who we used to be. Man, you know we're slow, Lord, but slowly becoming more and more like you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the church. It's clear there's a buzz here, and, and, and um, it's exciting, Lord. One of my favorite parts about Radius White No is just, just the ease. It's always it's easy to sit up here and talk. And it's uh, from what I've heard from folks that visit and come, come in, uh, just the ease to come in and feel at home. Thank you for the, doing that in us. You recognize most of us be too selfish to pull that off. So thank you for killing some of that selfishness and teaching us how to love. We're going to read your word, Lord. This is a tough passage. So it feels kind of odd that I have to ha have it today. But pray that uh, you bring it to life and then move on us. You bless us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I know a lot of you, some of you I don't, and that's awesome. Uh, been a part of Radius White No for a while and couldn't be more thrilled with what's happening here. Honestly, it's, uh, it's crazy how God is moving through this little family of churches, this little family of churches we call Radius Family of Churches. City Church over in West Columbia is just, just killing it. Salute is doing well. Um, Lexington's growing. You guys obviously are, so appreciate you. Some of you all know me know... Uh, Heard me mention a friend of mine. His name's Carl Banks. He's a friend from in my 20s. And uh, when he got engaged, he asked me to come be his best man at his wedding. It was in New York City. I'm from Anderson, South Cackalack, right? So, uh, and I'm fairly pale, if you haven't noticed. I flew into New York City, and Carl's black. His wife was Dominican. And, and I started getting introduced to New York City, and Carl informs me about the time I arrived that my job, according to Dominican tradition, is for the best man to pick up the bride and get her to the wedding. Well, just so y'all know, some of y'all young people, there was no such thing as GPS. All right, so no GPS. New York City, 18 million people. Uh, we were in Brooklyn. No GPS, no cell phones. None, none, of, none of that stuff was going on. So I had to go get his fiance about to be bride and get her to the wedding i thought on time and, and you know i grew up in the south where at least at least in white culture you had to be on time when a wedding is like on time all right so like if it's at 4 p.m is it 4 p.m dude's preaching at 4 p.m and think bell even ring on time it's like it's a little freaky that way i think something's wrong with us to be honest but anyway I, I, i'm there and i so i go pick up haiti get to her house get there in plenty of time she ain't dressed yet so finally she gets dressed, feel like we got like 30 minutes, we're going to hustle over there, maybe everybody forgive me. I'm just imagining my mama at a wedding as I'm, I'm, I'm coming to this, and, and uh, Haiti goes, no, the photographer's coming to the house. I'm like, come to the, come to the house. We got to get to, I, obviously, you the best man, you don't say nothing to the bride, but in my head, you're saying stuff. Like, what in the heck is going on? So she, she goes ahead and gets her pictures taken, and we leave her, her house to go to the wedding when the wedding was supposed to start. That's when we leave. So I'm sweating. 
we pull up to the church walk ain't nobody there ain't nobody there it's advertised at four o'clock but wasn't nobody coming until they felt like it evidently so that was just new to me right just culture right there's this weird thing in us that takes pride in our culture isn't it? like like it might be wrong to not be right on time like that's sin that's stupid <laughs> i know some real sin that's stupid that's 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 culture so we show up, man, you talk about a fun wedding, an hour late. It was a fun wedding. We had, we had a blast at that wedding. We had a party at the reception. I mean, we, we had all kind of fun, got them married. I'm walking back to my car after the wedding. Guess what? Some people are walking up to the wedding. Like, bro, that thing, we finished. We started an hour late. Now we're done. What y'all doing? It was this crazy, like, so here, here I am from Anderson, South Carolina. I'm in New York City, and, and, and my best friend from college is getting married, and, and, and we, we couldn't be more different in some ways. But we both knew Jesus, and we loved each other. So who cares about the rest? Why are we going to sweat all the other stuff? We, we, we both knew Jesus, and we cared about each other. And for years in college, we prayed together. We did some stupid stuff together. He let me in the dorm a couple times because I came in late, and I threw a rock at his window. I mean, he was gracious that way. And we, just, we were just, we still, we had this depth of relationship. I wouldn't trade for anything. But because we knew Jesus, we knew at least this much at 22, we were going to need some help to follow him for a lifetime. I still remember his wedding. We had made a deal. If he ever leaves Haiti, I'm going to show up at his house and beat his tail physically. It's a deal. I mean, I'll be lying if I don't do it. I'm wiry now. I can get it on a little bit. He's, he's a lot thicker than me. But I'm going to be trusting the Holy Spirit. At that moment, we're going to get it on. <laughs> Same deal happened. Cheryl sent right back there. If, if I were to ever leave Cheryl, Carl's responsibility. I mean, we, we made this deal at 21. We're ignorant, right? We're ignorant. All the stuff that goes on in the world. There's a lot of ignorance in this deal. But if I was there, he's supposed to show up at my door and beat my tail physically. Right out on the front steps. What you think about that? You got anybody who loves you that much? I'm serious. Do you have anybody that loves you enough to lose the friendship by delivering the goods when you did what you said you never wanted to do? You got anybody like that? That's the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. This is a place that loves so deep that it was sacrifice even our own personal relationship to save your behind. This is beautiful. The church is beautiful. I know for many of you, I mean, that church has not always been beautiful. As a matter of fact, we're calling, as we're going through 1 Corinthians, we're calling her a beautiful mess because many of us have known more about her mess, right? Uh, we've seen her do some really ugly things. And for some of y'all, you're here because of some of the pains that the church has brought into your life. And you've kind of come back for the first time. So I'm really nervous about reading this passage. But I'm trusting the sovereignty of God. When Derek and I talked about this, I knew y'all were doing the Attributes of God, which is an awesome series. I've heard unbelievable feedback from just what you guys have already been through. We're doing 1 Corinthians, and we just agreed wherever I was in 1 Corinthians, and I was going to talk from there. Boy, y'all time that bad. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. I'm blaming on you. First um, Corinthians chapter 5. The first time I heard this read, I can remember a teacher reading it. I was, I was young, and uh, 
And I remember thinking, whoa, God is serious. He's serious about the church. Like he, he, uh, he really wants me to view this thing like something bigger than just a place that I got. I grew up going to church. I mean, in my house, you had to be there all the time. And I did all the stuff. And I could win a couple things in church. But, but I didn't know how serious God was about his church. And uh, ho- hopefully this will come across for you today. I began to think of it, even though this is a hard passage. I began to think of it as a privilege to be a part of a group of people, a community that would fight for one another so hard that they'd even go all the way to the end to show up at somebody's house and deliver bad news. That doesn't feel good in the United States of America where our our main document is the Declaration of Independence. Don't cut in on my privacy, right? That's like our whole motto. We got all kinds of crazy stuff going on in our nation right now about privacy. It, we're going off the chain about privacy because we want nobody to get, we're, we're independent um, and then we're proud. And, and in some ways it served us well in a church that served us poorly because we need each other. Check out this passage. <laughs> You're going to be like, John, man, we ain't never having y'all back. Anyway. I can hardly believe chapter 5, 1 Corinthians. This is just a letter. It's written from Paul to a church. It could have been written to Radius White. No. If you can imagine New Testament, it would be like taking an envelope and putting a letter in, and you could put 13 of them right, right, right here back to back. Paul wrote them all, all the different churches. It's just a letter. We call it a book because we've gotten used to it. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. How's that for a start? Anybody feeling good yet? I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. It got quiet at Lexington, too, when I finished that verse. So there's this dude. He's at the church of Corinth, part of the body. Not just a dude that shows up. All right, so some, some of y'all can hear every once in a while. This is kind of your church, but it's not like your church. It's a dude that's a part of the body, who's been in it, who's in it. And uh, he's sleeping, living in sin, according to NLT, with his stepmother. Some translators actually say it's not totally sure whether it's his mom, physical mom, or his stepmother. But he hasn't just done this one time. He's actually living with her. All right? So I'm not going to go into detail. But living with her, he's not in the basement playing video games. All right? He's in the same bed. And it's ugly, right? Awkward to even talk about. And for some reason, the people at the church at Corinth just looked the other way. What do you think about that? Well, he says to them in verse 2, you're so proud of yourselves, you should be mourning and sorrowing. And you have to read the verse of chapters before, which I can't take you through, but this church is very proud. They're proud of what they know. They've lined up behind different teachers. They actually divide behind which teacher they have learned from. So they've divided in pride over what they know. 
Later in the book, you'll see they're really proud of their spiritual gifts. And they've divided among one another into different groups based on their giftedness. So the things that God gave them, <laughs> like salvation, and good teachers like Paul, Apollos, and Peter, they've divided over, and their arrogance has begun to, begun to pull them apart. Ever seen this happen in a family? Where arrogance begins to pull it apart? That's what's happening to this family, the church at Corinth. It's being pulled apart. You know what he's saying? He, he's saying, there's this dude living in your midst, and here's what he's doing. He's sleeping with his stepmother. And y'all haven't even noticed you're so proud. You're so concentrated on being right and on how this group's smarter than that group. You ain't even noticed that there's a guy in your midst and he's living like this. You haven't done anything about it. You're consumed with yourself. It's interesting. I've been a parent for 25 years. It takes humility to discipline your kids. If you want to do it right, it takes humility. You have to humble yourself because you can't discipline your kids unless you get yourself out of the center, right? Because when I'm in the center, I don't have time to chase after my kid who's being a knucklehead because I've been, I'm focused on, on me. So I'm going to hand him something to watch. Ooh, I almost broke it, baby. Sorry. I'm going to hand him something to watch so I ain't got to deal with him. I'm going to stay in the middle, so I can't really discipline him I'm gonna, because I'm in the middle. It takes humility. I have to die to myself. I have to come out of the middle in order to help my kid, right? <laughs> it gets more complicated when they get older. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Some of y'all older kids, yeah, y'all are complicated. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Man, it's a, it's a complicated thing for a father to love his child, love him deeply, and uh, still tell the truth. And sometimes not be heard as a father of older kids that makes me cry as a father of younger kids it don't make me cry at all it makes them cry <laughs> but we need we need some dads and some moms that aren't arrogant that aren't distracted by themselves so much so that they don't have time for their kids we're dying for that as a culture. I know White No High School is dying for some parents that love their kids like that, that won't go after the teacher first. Shoot. Shirley Reeves' house, teacher calls. Baby, you hiding. <laughs> she ain't going to see the teacher. You hiding, man. You begging somebody to let you come stay with them. <laughs> we need a little of that. We're losing that. We're not talking about being harsh or abusive. I think our, our society has got, got some things mixed up. It seems like they feel like telling the truth is harsh. Huh? Yeah, it hurts. I ain't going to lie to you. Sometimes hearing the truth hurts. And there are harsh folks. So let me not excuse abuse. They're harsh parents. They're, they're, they're folks that just go off in their arrogance and anger. No excuse. But sometimes we let the sweet parents off the hook. Their kids are going to jail too because they won't discipline. What about in the church? That's, that's what this passage is about. He's saying you guys are so consumed with yourselves. There's a variety of views from scholars. I won't go into it. He's saying you're so consumed with yourselves, you haven't even gone after this guy. He's rapidly going into the ditch. What are y'all doing? You're so excited about yourselves and what you do 
And this is a cool church. I know this church. It's generous. It's good. It's forgiving. It's a place where I'd feel comfortable inviting anybody. Right? I'll brag about this place. I hear Derek and Tessa bragging about this place. It, it, this is a great group of people. But we never want to become consumed with how, so, so consumed with how great we are that we wouldn't hold ourselves to a standard that's been given to us by a pure Savior. We're not talking about perfection, right? I'm not talking about perfection. Else, <laughs> I, I sure can't wear the mic today, and I guarantee none of us can. We're talking about helping each other. Helping each other follow this Savior. Check out the verse. I'm going to have to keep reading. As painful as it is. Even though I'm not with you in person, Paul does not play. I'm with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. What? Are you allowed to say that? He said he passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I'll be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. And then you must throw the man out and hand him over to Satan so that the sinful nature will be destroyed. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Whew. What's that mean? I fear to read a verse like that because... Uh, some of y'all have been a part of a church where there's been malicious gossip. And for some reason, they think that's discipline. That's, that's as ugly as it possibly can be. I hesitate to read this chapter because I almost believe the church has become so messy, it's hard to believe that she could be this healthy. Because we've seen so much go wrong. And certainly for us at Radius, and I know that, as I listen to Derek speak, and I know who he is, and I know the leaders here, like, like our goal is to be as gracious as we possibly can be, to forgive quickly, to be offended. It would be very difficult for you to offend us. But there comes a point. This is a public growth sense dude's living with his stepmother in public, and the church is in essence, agreeing with it because she's being passive. Nobody's done anything. Paul's like, you got to do something. This is embarrassment. It's confusing. And so despite the grace that they've shown, because of the public nature of this, they take public, are supposed to take public action and throw them out. How you like that? I don't feel like fun. I've heard of uh, numerous families that have had an addict, a son or a daughter who addicted to drugs. And, and there's just been some painful, painful, tearful moments where there's this decision of whether he can stay or go or she can stay or go. That's, that's, that's what you got going on right here. Like it's the last, like you never, like you feel like we should never get to the point of him going until, until there's a guy at Radius Lexington. His dad took him up to the rehab center and dropped him off. He says, you need to stay here, but you can't come home. And he comes back and he says it was the best thing that's ever happened to him because he, he turned his life around at the rehab center. It was just this really painful moment. But it was because his daddy loved him. And he, he's like, either, either they're going to save you or really, in essence, he's turning him over to the world to walk the streets. And the streets will have to save him because we've been unsuccessful here. Ugh, right? Feel it? 
Some of y'all feel this personally. You've lived it. That's how much we're supposed to love one another. We call this excommunication. I hate to even use the word. Makes me start sweating a little bit. It's like this social, he's asking them to socially cut them out. Don't take their text anymore. Don't take this dude's text anymore. Oh, that's heavy, bro. But there's this spiritual ramifications too that I probably never paid attention before. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. He says, in the power of our Lord Jesus. There seems to be this thing that this church, if you're a part of this church, it provides a covering for you. I don't fully understand that. I know that I provide a covering for my own family, but the church has an authority and it provides a covering. It's connected to Jesus. And it basically, the writer's saying, we're going to remove the covering on this dude. And uh, uh, Job, you remember the story with Job where, where actually uh, God gives Job permission. God, Jesus gives, tells Peter that Satan is going to, remember? He's going to work him over. He's going to give him permission to bring him to the bottom of himself. That's what's happening here. It's the dude in deep trouble. The only way to save him is to do the ultimate act of love and cut him loose. Why am I talking about this on a Sunday morning, right? We don't have anybody that we about to do this. I just want you to feel it. You know what discouraged me as a young man? Was it just seemed like the church was so weak. I didn't want to be a part of her because she had no standards. This, I hope, for some of y'all that really want to follow Jesus, like it heightens your excitement about the church. Like, I could belong to a place that loves me so much, it'll chase me to the ends of the earth. Because they love me. They're not going to let me go in the ditch. Let me, get, let me give you some marching orders that hopefully will help you. Again, this is public, pretty gross public sin, so it's got to be public. But there's a, there's a great passage, two great passages, Matthew chapter 18. Some of y'all probably already have it on your mind if you know your Bible well. It talks about what we do when somebody offends us. <laughs> Let me remind you. I say this all the time, and I've said it here many times. Well, you ought to be hard to offend. You know Jesus. You call God the Father, your Father. How in the heck somebody going to offend you? Oh, they smoked in front of you. <laughs> That's not offensive, dude. <laughs> Get over yourself. Right? He cussed? Really, bro? Where you been? Yeah, That's not offensive. What, uh, be, be, be hard to offend. Be hard to offend and really healthy in forgiveness. You know, I don't say quick to forgive because sometimes people forgive so quick because they just don't want to deal with it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about healthy to forgive. Here's what it says. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out his offense. What's that mean? <laughs> it's not complicated. If somebody sins against you, go find him, catch him privately and talk about it, Right? Don't say like, don't, don't like put him on speakerphone like while you're in the restaurant and have everybody listening. Go to him privately because you're scared. You're doing it on the phone. Be a man. Be a woman. Go talk to him face to face. And most of the time, we end with a great hug at the end. Oh, I mean, a lot of times when I do this and I go talk to a brother because then, then usually he didn't even know what he did. Oh, man, I didn't know. I'm like, I know you didn't. Well, we get a nice hug. It's gone, right? It's gone. You've been in the one where it doesn't go quite so well. Uh he says, uh, if you're not successful, let me read it. But if you, you are unsuccessful, well, actually, first of all, it says, if the other person listens and confesses, confesses it, you've won your person back. But if you're unsuccessful, 
take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Hmm? You ever done this? Stinks. Awkward as heck. Especially if you're in the two or three. It's not real good if you're the one. Uh, That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do for one another, particularly when we're caught in sin. Galatians says, it says, let the mature, you who are spiritual, go and rescue those who are caught in sin. It's like it's supposed to be our mission to protect each other. We've been watching a, a World War II series, and, and it's just amazing. With the bullets flying, what soldiers will do for one another, they'll run back into the fray to save their buddy who's been shot. Unless he deserves. And then they'll shoot him in the back. Like there's this, there's this crazy accountability and height of emotion. And I, I want to remind you that the way the Bible talks about what we're doing to church is like this is a war. We'd have a lot more young men ready to follow Jesus if we talked a little bit with that more kind of language. And like there's this high accountability and we need one another instead of making this, this passive thing where nobody offers any truth. I hope you got a friend that'll tell you the truth. Like, we're not talking about sin police, right, that point out everything all the time? Because you got one of them that that ain't really a buddy, right? That's somebody trying to feel good about himself. But if you got somebody to hold for a while, and, and you're doing something that's destructive, and it might be something light, like, like, like maybe you, your language is horrible. You got somebody that loves you enough, and over the course of the time, he wasn't offended the first time, he wasn't offended the ten- tenth time, he wasn't offended the hundredth time, but... Boom, he's just going, man, it's a lifestyle, and you just look immature because you can't control your mouth. And, he, and you're like, blank, blank. <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, say it again, I'll punch you in the mouth. No, anyway, you got, you need, we need some people like that. And we do some stuff to our bodies that are destructive. It's nice to have somebody that loves us enough that'll come along and say whatever it might be. I got a lady that lives with me that will tell me this without fear. She, evidently, she wants me to live a long time. Certain things I'm not supposed to eat, at least not as much as I want to eat. And, and it's just part of her love for me. That's what the family's about. That's what this is about. This is an extreme case in, in Matthew, but, uh, Matthew and in 1 Corinthians. But he's saying, look, man, you, the way you do this, you go to somebody privately. And then you go to them two or three privately. We don't go public with it. We keep it to ourselves because the goal is to win them back. We're not trying to make them feel bad. We're trying to save their butts. But it keeps escalating if you read the passage. If the person still refuses to listen, take the case to the church. In the Greek, it says assembly. Church doesn't even exist yet in Matthew. It says assembly. So you can actually imagine this assembly of a Jewish folks, this gathering. And uh, if they won't accept the assembly's decision, treat the person like a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Does that feel harsh? I think that's because we live in a weak world where we'd rather let our brother die in pain and suffer the pain of telling him the truth. We love ourselves that much. The verses go on. I don't think I'll read them all. I'll read this one because at the end I thought it was pretty spectacular. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. How about that? But listen. 
But I wasn't talking about unbelievers. Sometimes but believers get all jacked up about what, I mean, like the stuff that we watch on the news and freak out, I don't care what side you're on, we get all amped up about what folks that don't know Jesus is doing. He's like, that's not what this is about. What you picking in what unbelievers are doing? I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that. They're everywhere. That's normal. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. That's serious, isn't it? That's taking the church serious. Like the uh, New American Standard is better translation. I, I like the way the NLT reads. It's a great place to start if you're new to the Bible. The New American Standard translate. It, he calls them so-called believers. thought that was pretty stout. Somebody come to my house and call me a so-called believer. I dare you. Let's see what happens, right? I mean, like, that's offensive. But if you see me living in sin, you have every right to doubt whether I know Jesus or not. Because I don't show it. We're talking about the pure. I'm not talking about perfection, right? Oh, everybody in this room sinned this week. Most of y'all sinned this morning. All right? So, so we all in this together. Right? We've done the golf ball. We were all in the woods and we were lost. Somebody had to come in there and get us. I don't care what color you are, whether you got some nicks and bruises, you are all in the woods lost, you got dirt on you, and somebody had to come in there and save us. We're all equal. We're equally lost. We're equally redeemed if we've been saved. So keeping that in mind, with no arrogance, oh, there's this standard to be held once we've been saved by the pure Savior that we would be set apart and look different, and we fight for it. And so I need your help. I need you to come get me. Carl Banks going to show up at my house, and I know some men in this room, if you saw me, you would come to my house, take me away privately, and address me in hope. That you get me to turn. This particular passage is about public sin. So, you know, we've done this a bunch of times here at Radius, and what the beauty is is often how people respond. Somebody has to be baptized. We do baptisms all the time. But living with one another, we just can't do it. Why? Because that's a public proclamation that you're associated with Jesus, and so is living together that you don't believe that what he said is true. So at this moment, we can't go public with your salvation because you're pronouncing that you don't believe what he says is true. So like, we've had some great conversations where some folks have chosen not to be baptized and hold it for a while. We've had some folks that have moved out from one another, which is awesome. And, and so it's not like this thing where we stand like we got it all figured out because and, and, we were golf balls lost just like you. We're just trying to maintain purity and actually serve our body so that we don't confuse our town. By going public with stuff that's not represented well in another place. So, somebody asks us to do a wedding. They're living together. What do we do? We need to move out. Oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. I know, baby. I know. We're talking about the Bible. <laughs> talking about God. <laughs> I know. It's going to cost you $500 a month. I know. But, but I'm trying to serve you because I'm trying to bless your marriage for the future. Right? I'm not trying to bless your marriage at the moment because it ain't a marriage. I'm trying to bless you. And so, like, to be honest and true and real with folks, that's who we want to be. We want people to feel loved. And when you always just look the other way and act like nothing's going on, you know what? 
who you love. Yourself, you want the easy way. And the church looks weak. We don't nobody really believe in it or it's God. Let me get a couple pieces of homework and I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to double dog dare you. Give somebody permission to tell you the truth. Like you're not sure if you're a very good parent. Go find somebody that you think is a good parent. And say, tell me the truth about my parenting. Everybody's like, oh, babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about tell you, tell me the truth. This is how, if you want to make it feel better, do like this. I've done this before. I'll say, tell me three good things because I need a little encouragement about what I'm doing as a parent. Like, I know I got to be doing at least three. And then tell me two things that I need to get better at. Right? I flew three guys in one time. Came to my house, guys that I've known for a lifetime. And I said, I need three and two. I need you to tell me three things that I'm doing right. I need you to tell me two things that I'm doing wrong. You know why? Because I want to grow, man. We're talking about the opportunity to offer folks to to know Jesus for a lifetime and spend eternity in heaven. I want to grow in this. This is a community. This is a band of brothers and sisters that has depth, and we want to go forward, and I want to finish, and I want people like Carl Banks to come to my house and tell me the truth. You want to start at the house? Tell God the truth without anybody around. That's a good place to start. Just go... God, this is the truth about me. You know me. Instead of holding it and hiding it, we got a number of groups of men that are just starting this. Their whole life, they've lied to themselves, just the way we are, dudes. And they're learning to tell the truth. I know we have some prayer groups right here at Race White Boots. They pray the truth about themselves as a group of men in a circle. And it is, there's depth to that. Let me, let me say something about it. If you're older than me in the room, I'm closing on 50 then you learn not to show any sin, baby. Like, when we go to church, we're going to have it up tight, and we're going to look good. Guarantee everybody in the room in, 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 that's over my, you know what I'm talking about. We're going to go. We're going to look good. We're going to put some money in the plate. We're going to do this thing. We're going to try to get out of here without anybody seeing that we're crazy, right? We're going to try to get out the door. You heard Miranda Lambert's call, song about crazy. Her, her mama wants her to put some makeup on and not be crazy, and she's like, but mama, I just broke up. I'm going to be crazy. And some of y'all younger folks, Y'all actually think that by putting your crazy out there so that we all know it, it makes you godly. No, that just makes you crazy. So, like, there's been this reaction to us older folk that, like, we hit all, which wasn't healthy, and all of us probably will admit to that in this room. Like, we, we hid it for so long, it became this discipline to hide our sins. So, we, we never could do it in community and have somebody help me with it because we were afraid somebody would throw us under the bus. But the, the next generation opposed that so much, everybody just gets to that and talk about crazy, but nobody actually is godly. Because the idea is, if you got a mess and you're crazy, and we do it together, then the hope is that we would spur one another to be done with that crap and change. So for some of y'all older in the room, you probably got it for the first time. Maybe tell somebody and let them help you. For some of y'all in the room that you've already, you always put your junk out. You put it online. I know you're junk, for goodness sake. Man, stop that junk. Because if you keep doing it every week, we just think you like talking. You need to grow. Maybe pick a few people and tell them and and have them hold you accountable. Whatever your issue is, we all got them. 
Then uh, the last thing before I walk out the door. This passage argues that you ought to commit to a local church. It's not knocking any other local churches. This one might not be yours. But, but it argues that you ought to commit, and it is this awesome opportunity for you. It's an awesome opportunity for you to put yourself in a family that loves you enough that will chase you all the way down. But hopefully they're going to do it right. They're going to be eyes by themselves. But they're going to come after you. And so, like, like, there's some fear in joining the church as opposed to just attending the church. There's some fear in it. Like, and there should be some fear in it. But it's beautiful. But if you're about being independent, you think you got your life all figured out, don't do it, Jack. Right? It's dangerous. Because we're serious about this. I'm going to read you this little thing I wrote. <laughs> Cheryl, you laughing. I wrote something. Uh, <clears throat> Perhaps you've never really been part of a healthy church. I just kept thinking as I'm reading this passage. The majority of the folks in the room never been part of a healthy church. So that passage is scary. One that disciplines out of love, not out of self-righteousness. Behind the door, so much is happening at Radius White. No, I wish that the stories wouldn't be appropriate to talk about. Where folks have heard the truth in bad moments, and they've responded. And I can look around the room and see how people have changed. Praise God. Praise God. And we're still together, not judging one another, not standing above one another in that way, but willing to judge one another, to save one another. Uh, not, uh, one that disciplines out of love, not self-righteousness, or patiently looks past sin out of love but not passivity. You know, we look around at one another. You can't be the, the sin police and every time somebody screws up, thump them in the back of the head, what's going to happen eventually? You're gonna, they're going to turn around and punch you in the mouth. But when it happens over and over and over and that thing becomes habitual and you see a brother or sister, then, then there's this responsibility to go to it, not out of self-righteousness, but out of humble love. But... But it's not out of, it's not this desire to recognize ourselves, but, but, that's, but it, love keeps us in the right spot and the right tension between those things. One that will risk its own reputation because of you, but you have to choose to place yourself in that type of relationship. You can't have it. So I would say, man, if I could ask you to do one thing, give somebody permission, somebody you trust. Speak into your life. And then, man, for all the knocks the beautiful church takes, there ain't nothing like her on the face of the planet. There's nothing like her. No army, no nation, no government, church. She can't be beat as messed up as we sometimes are because the Holy Spirit indwells us. She can't be beat. Go all in with her. Jesus, man, I love these group of people. They, uh, they strike me as hungry every time I'm here. And when I hear Derek talk about what's going on, when I listen to other folks, it's just, it's just good. Keep growing us. The beauty and peace that you can have walking in this, in this little auditorium is, is special. Continue to grow it in us. 
Lord, we don't want to be so proud of that, that we miss one another, that we're not willing to go to one another, even rescue each other when we're in trouble. Strengthen the small groups, strengthen the relationships. Uh, make this young church strong and, and, and give her the ability to last and bless the white no area. I love you. Thanks for loving us, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.